All right. Well, it's so good to be here with all of you. So thank you all so much for joining us here in person. Uh, And if this is your very first time with us, welcome. We honor you. We thank you for spending uh, your Sunday morning with us. We would love to come alongside you in your journey and and answer any questions you may have or or get to know you. So uh, feel free to to reach out to any one of us to to talk to me after service or um, uh, talk to Pastor Dan or anyone here. Um, Also, we have uh, at the table, at the welcome table, we have um, some cards that you can uh, fill out if you want to find out more about the church. And if you're watching online, uh, you can click the connect tab at the top of your screen. Um, All that to say, we are so excited to be here with you this morning. This is a day the Lord has made. We rejoice. We're glad in it. His mercies are new this morning. So whatever you entered into this place or this time with, uh, I pray and I hope that you'll be able to experience the refreshing of his mercy and the power of his love. So will you join me in a word of prayer as we get ready to enter into this time that we have together? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you for uh, each and every person who hears my voice, whether they're here in person, whether they're watching online, maybe they're watching or listening uh, online at a later time this week. God, but we thank you that each person that hears my voice now is someone that you deeply care about, someone that you love, someone that you created and you formed, someone that Jesus died for, and someone that the Holy Spirit wants uh, to live in and help us to become more like Christ. And so I thank you for each person. God, I pray that as we dive in, sure that I would decrease and that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, uh, looking, starting in verse 16. As you might be looking at that, whether on the Bible app, maybe you brought a Bible, uh, maybe you just have the whole Bible memorized, and that would be awesome, and let me know what that's like. Uh, but we're in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in the second part of 16. But as you're turning there, um, I'm 36 years old, and I'm going to be turning 37 um, in a couple, in about a month. And this is a big year for me, um, just in my own mind, because... My dad, when he was 36 years old, had a heart attack. Um, and so he ended up um, having one early on, and then he had another one uh, when I was about 15 years old or so. And so in my mind, I was thinking, okay, 36 is a year that I want to be healthier. I want to uh, be able to feel really, really healthy and to be able to kind of um, combat some heart disease that, that goes on on my side of the family. And so... Uh, Last year, I started Weight Watchers, um, and so that did great, and I started losing weight, and then through the pandemic, the past few months, I've been watching my weight increase, which I don't think is what that name is supposed to mean, Weight Watchers, but um, it's this idea of, you know, I started to, you know, feel unhealthy, and then last week, I took, uh, had a cup of coffee, um, uh, caffeine, regular coffee, taking my dog out on a walk, and our house, our, our neighborhood isn't like you know, it, it's not like the streets of San Francisco, right? Like, it's not up and down, but there's, there's some hills. Like, there's a little bit of a walk there. And I got about, I don't know, maybe a third, halfway through the walk. And all of a sudden, I started feeling my heart, like, really palpitating, right? And I'm like, oh, no. And if you ever had that moment where, you know, your heart starts beating, you worry about it, what ends up happening? Your heart's beating more, right? Like, all of a sudden, it becomes this, this moment where you start, you're in your own mind and all that. And so I was telling Steph, I was like, you know, my heart's still beating, like, well, my heart's still beating is a good thing, to be clear. Um, my heart is beating faster uh, than it normally does. And so I was, you know, it was still a little after the walk. And so I'm like, maybe it's the caffeine. I don't usually have a ton of caffeine, like, on a walk. Um, it was a little warm out, you know, whatever it may be. But I had this moment of fear because I thought about, I want, like, I'm afraid of what could happen, right? This fear of maybe 
I, you know, I need to, I need to get back on the Weight Watchers and I need to do these things because I don't want to experience the negative health ramifications. And I'm afraid of what that might be like. But the f- opposite side of that same coin can also be how I'm afraid because I don't want to miss out on my kids growing up. Or I don't want to miss out on big things in their lives because I didn't take care of myself. And so sometimes there's fear as a main motivator. And, and other times on the opposite side of that coin is that love can be a motivator as well. It could be something that inspires us. And it's out of love for my kids that I'd want to do that, not just out of fear of what could happen. You see how they both can be similar, but they can, excuse me, they can cause us to look at it a slightly different way. Fear, we might be afraid of the bad ramifications or consequences of something. Love, if we're tapping into that and have that be our, what inspires us, then that can encourage us to do the right thing, not just because we're afraid of the consequences and what we want to let go, but that we can take hold of something greater. See, today we're talking about wanting a greater motivation. We're in a greater than series in which we've been talking about, you know, the first week was searching for a greater joy. The second week was pursuing a greater world. Last week was about showing greater love. And today it's about wanting a greater motivation to not just let why we do what we do be based off of fear, but why we do what we do being stemmed from or inspired out of love, love for God recognizing his love for us, and then love for one another. And so what I want to start off with is, is looking at um, 1 John 4, 16. And again, we're only going to look at a few verses today. Um, this book, we're, just, we're looking at different contrasts and comparisons in the book of 1 John. We're not able to hit on everything in this series, but um, we're, we're, we're ne- tackling a few of these things. And so 1 John 4, 7 through 18 was the passage that was uh, the wedding passage from uh, Steph and my wedding when we got married. This is what we chose. Um, and so uh, it's a special, you know, near and dear to our hearts. Um, and our anniversary is coming up on June 25th. So I won't do the math, but it's coming up soon for 15 years, which we're super excited about. Um, thank you. I, I noticed how you guys didn't clap when I said I'm 36, but like you'll clap for 15 years, which you're right. Amen. Um, so. Let me start off here with 1 John 4, 16. And again, again, I'm going to start with the second part here. That just starts off with God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And we're going to stop there because God is love. When we think about what God is, for many people who are on their journey, maybe they have some, some hurt towards the church or they don't understand or they're hurting. Uh, they've had some bad experiences. Maybe people who have grown up knowing about God and then have experienced difficult things or have fallen away and and don't even really want anything to do with God. Maybe they don't think about God is love. They think of God as maybe judgmental or they think of God as, as strict or exclusive or they think of God as something that is negative, something that is bad. But in God's word, and it's so simply put that God is love, that out of God's character, love comes. That's what defines him. Even when things are tough, even when we don't like what's happening, he does still love us. And our circumstances are not contingent upon his approval because he loves us already. Now, God is love is something that I think there are others who don't know Jesus or who are um, in their own spiritual journey. And they will take hold of that and say, you're right, God is love. That means everything that is about love or everything that is loving must be God. 
But those are not the same thing. And let me give a couple examples. God is love, but love in and of itself is not God. So as we unpack that for a moment, um, how many of you uh, remember uh, your geometry lessons when you were a kid? I, just, I love just the general chuckles of like, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to ask you to do proofs because proofs were the worst. But um, I am going to talk about, you know, basic shapes, right? So if you know the definition of a rectangle, a rectangle is a closed four-sided figure uh, that has four right angles, okay? And so a square is a closed four-sided figure that has four right angles. But the difference is that the sides are the same length, so the definition here is that a square is a rectangle, right? It's based on the same definition, but a rectangle is not a square, okay? Yeah, okay, great. That is all you're going to learn today. I'm so sorry. I hope you're okay with uh, just a little, little nugget of geometry. Let me, let me give another example that maybe might be a little more uh, delightful. Um, uh, a cookie that is very good are Oreos. How many do you like Oreos? How many of us think those are squares? Just kidding, that's not the answer. Um, so Oreos are delicious, right? But so we would say Oreos are cookies, right? I mean, we, we, we get that. But we wouldn't say that all cookies are Oreos, right? Because they're different. Like just because one is categorized as one thing doesn't mean that it's the same. It's a special kind of rectangle is a square. A special kind of cookie is an Oreo. And a special kind of of understanding who God is, is understanding that he is love. But love in and of itself is not God. Here's what this means, is that in our culture, we tend to romanticize, and I mean, every, every Taylor Swift song has to do with the idea of pursuing love. Every single movie that has this romantic interest, every single desire that people have is that we want to we wanna pursue love. We want love to be the most important thing in our world. And here's the thing, is that love is a good thing. But love for God is when it becomes the right thing. And we love, for one, we love one another. We love our family. We love God. We love others. We love those who are different than us. We love those, our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. I mean, th this is not a narrow definition, but the idea is, is that if we pursue love above all else, even above our pursuit of God, then we make love in and of itself an idol. We make that the ultimate. Whereas love for God and being loved by God is the ultimate pursuit. So, when we, when we look around and people are like, oh, I want to just pursue love no matter what. Unless if God is the one that is at the end of that destination and the one with which we are journeying, we can miss the point. We could pursue love and think that it's a God with a lowercase g, but only the capital G, the one true God, is love. It's come, love that we know about comes from his character. And love, as we know about it, overflows because of understanding of who he is. So God is love. And um, God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God. That word lives in is if uh, you have some familiarity with some of John who wrote this uh, book. He's also one of Jesus' very best friends, one who's called the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he wrote the gospel of John as well. And in John 15, he talks about how we ought to abide in God and abide that God, Jesus is the vine. We are the branches and we bear fruit. And that word abide is the same word that we talk about here, that we live in love. So it's this idea of abiding, resting, remaining in God's love. And when we do that, then we understand how best to love him 
and how best to love one another. So God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Verse 17, and we continue on, says this, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Now this word for complete, this, this idea is not like how we would think of uh, like Jerry Maguire, like you complete me, right? Like it's not this idea of, uh, it's this idea of like fully perfected. It's this idea of love is complete. It's made finished. It's, it's, it, it's over. It, it's completed. I don't know how else to say it. Love is made right and perfect and complete when we are in God. And we know that this love has been made complete in our lives when we are able to be like Jesus and show love to one another as we love God. That Jesus, who was welcomed and loved by many and persecuted by many as well, still said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus, who was torn up and, and taken to the cross and beaten and battered and bruised and torn, still showed love for those who were his tormentors. The last week we talked about how greater love is no one than this, the one who laid down his life for his friends. And Jesus laid down his life for his friends and for those who would always swear to be his enemies. That Jesus' love that we talked about last week was one that was sacrificial, one, one that was generous, one that was proven by truth, or proven by action and foundation or founded on truth. That's the kind of love that we experience. And when we rest in that kind of love, we are then able to extend that love to others around us, to welcome them in with a kind of love that is generous, sacrificial, proven by actions, and founded on truth. And we have confidence that in this world, we are like Jesus. We love others even when they don't love us. Because our love for God gives us the ability and the power to show love for those even when they want to hurt us, harm us, or, or mock us. It's really easy to love people who love us back. It's really hard to love people who don't. Showing love to those who are hard to love or, or who have hurt us is such a big mark or, or, or um, a characteristic of someone who follows God and understands the power of the gospel. Because we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. That there's nothing we could do to make God love us anymore. We don't earn it. There's nothing we could do to make God love us any less. We can't lose it. But we can and we must receive it, experience it, and share it. We continue on, verse 18. So there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. But uh, because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. When I was, uh, I just got a, a summons for a jury duty. Um, so I get to call on Father's Day. Notice I get to, right? It's a good thing. Um, I get to call on Father's Day to find out if I have uh, um, jury duty that week. And, um, you know, that Friday is mine and Steph's anniversary, so like I'm hoping that I don't, you know, I don't have to miss that uh, or don't, that doesn't affect it. But um, I was on a jury once, and I was in jury duty once before. And I remember 
I was uh, on the panel and, and you know I was in the the thing. And during the time where they, if you've been part of this, they sit you down and they kind of talk about um, different things. That the lawyers from both sides ask certain questions and. And there was a gentleman, I was in the back row um, on the far right, and there's a gentleman in the seat in front of me. And they were, he was having this question, and I don't even know how he got on the topic, but his point that he was trying to talk about was how, in his opinion, fear is stronger than love. And he was sharing about how fear drives us, it motivates us to do things that, you know, that, or, or, or it causes us to hide from things. And that love isn't always strong enough to be able to overcome those fears. And it caused me to really wrestle with this idea because, you know, we see that real love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. That completed understanding of the love of God and God's love for us and our love for one another, that should drive out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And there are times in which maybe we are too afraid to be able to share love because punishment can be a lot of, it can mean different things. Now, the Academy, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics talks about punishment. And it talks about how punishment might work fast to stop bad behavior, but it is not effective over time. You could, you could punish and that could, for short, they might learn, oh, that's a bad thing, but it's not effective in training over time. In fact, you learn that positive reinforcement or, or catching people, the kids doing the right thing and celebrating that is the best way to just encourage right behavior. And so when we are driven by fear, there's different types of punishment that we are trying to avoid. So maybe it's a physical thing that comes from fear. So my being fearful of wanting to be heart healthy and wanting to be around for a long time. But there also might be people who have experienced great trauma. And so they've built up walls in order to protect themselves. And so out of fear, they won't engage in conflict. Or out of fear, they, they, they will run whenever something gets difficult. That there's different dynamics in which fear drives so much of what people do. And there's a punishment that maybe they feel that physically. Maybe it's an emotional punishment. That there was an emotional abuse or an emotional um, scar tissue that's happening. And so whenever there are difficulties and whenever something comes up, it, we go back to that mindset and all of a sudden we're, we're, we're in that place. That I bring this all up because this past week we, uh, I was listening to a, a, a podcast about leadership anxiety and we talked about it as a staff. And, and leadership anxiety, they talked about how one of the definitions that Steve Cust is his name, he talks about how anxiety is, is, that, is what happens when we have a false belief, something that we believe we need to happen, but we don't get it met. And so for me, that can mean it's a, it's a, I feel like I need to get approval from people. And so out of fear of not being approved of by people, I may be willing to not speak hard things or not be able to do something that would be stemmed out of love. But instead I have this idea of I want to hide or I want to just, I want everyone to be, just everybody be okay and everybody be at peace and everything. And when that becomes a driver, if fear becomes my motivator, then in a lot of ways, I'm not really loving people. Because truth without love is not truth and love without truth is not really love. So when we look at this idea of fear being a motivator because we don't want punishment. It could be a physical punishment. It could be emotional punishment. It could be the fear of rejection. It could be the fear of missing out. It could be the fear of being 
just unloved or unwanted. It could be any different number of fears, and that can drive us to be afraid of the punishment we'd experience. And there are some of us who follow Jesus and love God. But the reason we do the things we do in order to follow God is because we're afraid that what happens in our lives are contingent upon him being pleased with us. So we read our Bibles, but not because we love God, but because we're afraid if we don't, he'll be mad. We, we, we pray or we go to church or we, we um, are in small groups, whatever it is. We do those things not because sometimes we have seasons where it's not because we love God, but out of an inspiration to love God, it's because we're afraid and think if we, if we can just do the right things and check the right boxes, then, then maybe we can have some semblance of safety and control in a world that is unsafe and uncontrollable. And then therefore we may wrongly, but we may believe that God owes us a good life because we're doing good things. Now I know that's not for everybody, but some of us can resonate with this. And so Again, if fear of God is our only motivator to do what we do and to follow Jesus, that can motivate us to do good things. Fear can be a motivator. I could get heart healthy because of fear, but love inspires us to be like Jesus, to do great things. So let's look at this here. Craig Rochelle talks about, Craig Rochelle is a, a pastor in Oklahoma. Um, he's actually the, his church is the one that started the Bible app that you all are using. If you're watching online, his church is the one that offers this church online platform for free. Um, they have an incredible heart for pouring into churches all across the world and pouring into to Christians all across the world. And so um, fantastic pastor, fantastic uh, ministry. And Craig Rochelle, in one of his leadership podcasts, talks about the difference between motivation and inspiration. If we're talking about we want a greater motivation, do we agree with the, with the potential juror that I was with that fear is stronger than love? Do we agree that it can isolate, that it can freeze us, that we can get stuck and paralyzed out of fear? Or is it possible, is it possible that love can thaw a frozen heart. Sorry, I just, sorry, I'd frozen. <laughs> Disney girls, Disney movies, I'm sorry. Serious moment. Um, no, but is it possible that love can allow us to, where we've once been frozen, we can be warmed again. Where once we have built walls, love can break down walls. Where once we were hurting and broken, love from God, God's love can come in and penetrate the wounds and the cracks in our armor and could seal up those broken places and infuse them with his love and his grace? Is it possible? So Craig Rochelle talks about motivation versus inspiration. And I want to go ahead and read the quotation just to make sure I'm not, um, I'm not saying it incorrectly. And he talks about how motivation and inspiration are both important, but they are also very different. Motivation often feels like someone is pushing you. So if you're someone who works out or someone who plays athletics and, and you know, a coach is like, you got to get in there and you know, do stuff. As you can tell, this is not me. Um, but there are times when a coach might try to push you and they might try to, to force and they go, you can do it, you can do it. And, it, and sometimes people can, you know, they talk about, oh, we'll run through a wall for this coach or whatever it may be. Maybe it's a teacher who sees something in a student and is able to motivate them and say, if you work a little harder, if you do that, I know what you can do. And, and they, they encourage and they push. That's important. But motivation as someone who's trying to be motivated, 
I, I don't get motivated by coaches yelling at me, which is probably why I don't do athletics. And so, but this idea of that doesn't, that doesn't work for me personally. It works for a lot of people. But motivation feels like someone's pushing you to do something. It's like you can do it and they're behind you and, and you can do it. But then this is what Craig Rochelle says about inspiration. He talks about how the word inspire comes from the words in spirit. Now, let me unpack that a little bit more because the word spirit that we use, the Holy Spirit, and, and even the Greek word for, for spirit as pneuma. So the word spirit comes from the idea of breath. That being inspired is having God's breathing into you or to blow in inspiration when you aren't feeling it. So here's what he says. The word inspire comes from the words in spirit and it implies something that is internal, excuse me, internal. Motivation generally feels like pushing. Inspiring is more of a pulling of the good that's already inside of you. So a good coach can motivate you, but can also inspire you to want to become a better athlete. A good teacher can push and motivate you to work harder, but can also inspire you to see what you can become. It's not just a pushing, it's a pulling. It's seeing the potential and breathing life into people so that they can then have courage as well. To give an example, if you are following along here outdoors, you can look at the Bible app. But um, how many of you on your way, well, maybe not on your way here because it was early today, but how many of you within the past week as you're driving around have seen those uh, inflatable airmen like in front of like the Valvoline or like car dealerships? You know what I'm talking about? The ones that are like, they blow up and they kind of just like go like this and they just kind of move around. So, the, What? Listen, this is not interpretive dance time, people. Just, just kidding. I practiced that one in the mirror. Is that weird? No, I didn't. Um, but it's that idea of like, it, you know, it comes from, the, I'm going to do it again because you told me to. No, but this idea of it, 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 it needs to do that. So picture this. If I owned one of those and we put it on the ground and it was deflated, doesn't matter how much I try to motivate for that to be filled up, it's not going to work. Be better. Work harder, work smarter, blow up, whatever. Like, that's not going to work, right? What does it need? It needs breath or air to be blown into it so that it can not take life because that's creepy, but you know what I mean? Like, it can, it, so it can be animated again, so it can do what it's meant to do. Some of us today are so deflated and defeated. What we don't need you show up to church, what you don't need is a pastor just trying to motivate you and pushing you to do the right God things. What many of us are longing for, and maybe coming to church in hopes of experiencing, is to have God's spirit, God's breath, breathe life into a deflated heart. We don't, we, we see inspire means to breathe into, to blow into, to bring life and to animate. Perfect love drives out fear. Love is not, or excuse me, fear is not a better motivator than love. For wanting a greater motivation for loving God, it's not checking off the boxes. It's checking our hearts and wanting to love him with all that we say, think, and do. If we want to love our spouses or our kids or our friends better, it's not because we're afraid they'll reject us if we don't. 
It's because the overwhelming love of God infuses us and where those places are broken or difficult, he can make a way where there is no way. If our way of living is just so that we can get through one defeated day to another defeated day until we look back and recognize the defeated decades in our rear view, you don't need someone just to say, be better, work harder, work smarter. You need an infusing, a breathing in of God's spirit. Breathing life into the broken places. Maybe some of you want that, but you feel like your, your inflatable airman is filled with holes and wounds. God can tend to the brokenhearted. A bruised reed he does not break. A smoldering wick he does not snuff out. He is near to the brokenhearted, and he can fill in those gaps so that we can receive his spirit and his life, either again or for the very first time. See, I don't agree with the potential juror that was in front of me, that fear is stronger than love. Because it doesn't say, for God so feared the rejection of the world that he sent his only begotten son. It doesn't say that God is fear. And this is how we know what fear is, is that he laid down his life for us. In fact, 1 John 4, 13 says this, this is how we know that we live or we abide in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. He's breathed life into those of us who have confessed that Jesus is Lord and we want to follow him. And he breathes his life into us so that we don't have to be deflated. Doesn't mean everything's gonna be perfect. We all know that. This is not a sugar-coated, Oreo-enjoyed, perfected life. There's difficulty and heartache and brokenness, but yet while we are experiencing that, we can be like Jesus, who while he was experiencing that, still showed love and grace to those around him and forgiveness to those who were hurting him. So as we close this morning, we just want to be reminded that fear can motivate us to avoid punishment. We might want to avoid punishment. We might do different things out of our fears. But love can inspire us to be like Jesus. We don't just need motivation. We need inspiration this morning. And just as perfect love drives out fear, God can drive out those difficult things in our lives when we come to him and we turn to him and we can be filled up so that we can experience the life that he has for us. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we may have life and life to the full. And so as we close and maybe wrestling this week with what, like the very typical Whenever you see a, an actor in a TV show acting about being an actor, it's like, well, what's my motivation? When you interact with those that are difficult with you, what's your motivation? Is it fear? Is it love? When you interact with strangers that you're walking around and you just see people and you, don't, you just interact with them, is it fear? Is it love? When you're driving in a car and someone caught you off, do you respond out of fear, out of love? When you're interacting with your close friends or uh, other kids in your class or your spouse or your 
Kids, are you acting out of fear or out of love? Because how we know what love is, is that Jesus laid down his life for us. And we, out of his sacrifice and out of his generous gift, have the ability to give a sacrificial, generous, proven by action and founded on truth kind of love to a world that is deflated and is desperately in need of the literal word of inspiration of God's breathing life into them. Dear God, we thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would inspire us this morning, that it's not about a specific sermon point or, or a story or an illustration. It's, it's not about the specific song that we sing. It's not about the, the specific thing, Lord, that we're experiencing today. But, Lord, it's about the culmination of you speaking to us, Lord, if we are willing to listen. It's the culmination of you breathing life into us when we might feel deflated. It's the fact that you love us so much that this is how we know what love is, that love was your inspiration and your reason for sending Jesus, that you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus, you died for us. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us each and every day to wrestle with why it is that we do what we do. Do we do it for fear of people or do we do it out of your spirit breathing love for God and love for others around us? So God, meet us here, speak to us and inspire us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.